and it felt, quite frankly, Maria, like the collapse of civilization. And that's really scary when you can't get home. It felt like anarchy. And, and this is why when I was putting my statement together for my show, I was questioning the validity or the meaningfulness of landscape painting. Hi and welcome to episode 111 of Talking with Painters, where Australian painters talk about their lives and art. I'm Maria Stolger and today I'm bringing you my conversation with previous podcast guest Joanna Logue. If you follow the show on social media or subscribe to my YouTube channel, you might have seen a short video I made about Joanna's recent show, Alone on the Marsh, which as I'm recording this is still on at Scott Livesey Galleries in Melbourne and it runs until this Saturday, the 19th of June 2021. But it's only a two-minute video and I enjoyed my conversation with Joanna so much, I thought I'd bring you the full conversation. You can see the video if you go to the website talkingwithpainters.com or else on my YouTube channel, Talking With Painters. Joanna paints absolutely breathtaking landscapes which spill over towards abstraction and she's been inspired by many places in Australia. But a few years ago she embarked on a new life with her husband Martin Perra and now lives between Mount Desert Island in Maine in the USA and her beautiful home in country New South Wales. But for all of us, the last year has brought its challenges. And Joanna in this episode talks to me about how the last year has been for her and the consequent effect on her work. With the lockdown and with the borders closing, the homesickness I felt was profound because I couldn't get home. And what that meant was this feeling of entrapment, fear, insecurity, just the not knowing and, um, yeah, I suffered a lot of anxiety. I mean, I know a lot of people did. I mean, everyone's got a COVID story, Maria. How did you find that you coped with it? Well, it was hard for me because my you probably know my dear friend, my best friend, my soulmate, my confidant, passed away um, and I had nursed her up to the time that we moved here and she went into remission and that was great. And then she came here to America and we made a project together. She was a dancer, Jan Pinkerton, and we made a project about her illness and the whole idea around loss and grieving and friendship and what you do with those feelings once the person that you love isn't there anymore and also the whole idea of identity for her what it meant for her to be a dancer and not be able to dance anymore it was really healing for for Jan and I to be able to work through that in the form of choreography and dance movement she was a legend So lockdown, Maria, so what happened was because of this sort of grief at a somatic level, my body went into um, 
sickness and I got shingles. <laughs> oh, that can be nasty. And I knew exactly why. I mean, I thought, oh, yes, of course, this is going to happen. And um, so it was, you know, a time of deep reflection, getting my strength back, my emotional strength and my physical strength. Um, and then I just gained this really deep level of focus in my work and um, found myself to be highly productive. And so I made um, this show, Alone in the Marsh, um, for my Melbourne gallery, Scott Levesey. Yeah. And can you tell me a bit about that? Because it sounds like it's a very personal and sort of uh, something that has arisen out of a very solitary experience. Uh, can you tell me a bit, can you describe a little bit to me in words what this area is like um, that you have painted? Well, it's a landscape that I'm walking in every day, hiking every day, sledding, skating, um, cross-country skiing, so really butted up against the landscape, way more than I ever was in Australia. Um, and so I'm really experiencing the landscape on a really intimate level here. Um, and But I don't see it as a pretty landscape and I don't have any heartfelt sentiment for this landscape because I'm still learning it. And I think we only have a, a heart for a landscape or the landscape only becomes dear to us over time, a landscape that we're born into. And when I'm walking through the landscape, I never sort of look at it and think, oh, wow, isn't it beautiful? I think to myself, oh, wow, look at that ugly, muddy, green shape against that <laughs> dead birch that's falling over. Wow, wouldn't that translate well <laughs> into a painting? Do you know, I'm not really yeah. interested in painting the vista with the mountains in the background and... I'm interested in what life throws up, those interesting surprises. You know that I'm always pushing through to abstraction, so I'm not really interested in um, representation. But the landscape is abstract when you're down in it. When I'm down in those marshes and you've got that sort of web or a weave of, you know, the the bulrushes in the foreground and the birches in the background and then all the insect life and the dappled light on the pools. And so there's a lot of reflective surfaces and a lot of kinetic energy. And so it's fodder for abstraction. Over the year, of, uh, the lockdown year, um, I also did a lot of studying um, about palette and the science of colour. Um, and I did a few little uh, classes with the New York Studio School about um, colour and working across the palette and uh, mixing complex greys, which I realised it's the complex greys that help the painting if you're going to be using colour. Um, and these are all the things yeah. I didn't learn at art school because I was too busy gallivanting around. But Joanna, the thing with you is you already, you have an instinctive sense of the complex greys already. Oh, you must know that. 
Yeah, but it was in totally intuitive. So I couldn't call on it if I needed to be more deliberate. So it was always kind of happened almost as an accident because I'd be dragging these primaries into, you know, reds into greens. And of course, you're going to get those really lovely greys. But um, for the first time in my professional career, I actually learned why that happens. And so now I can actually mix it on my palette. So that's been oh, really that's liberating. That's so interesting. Mm. Yeah. And what and did that involve sort of studying the colour wheel or, or mixing, just constantly mixing colours and seeing what's happening or was it more of an academic approach? It was an academic approach. And because during the time of COVID we had time, like I, I, I don't know whether I told you, but I did a, um, a New York Studio School um, drawing marathon and, um, and that was really amazing for me as far as just getting out of the way of myself, do you know, because there was no time for the harsh critic it was just six days of absolute immersion um, in the landscape and responding to the immediate environment. So, and then bringing what you made back into the studio and then um, ripping it all up, um, reconfiguring it, photographing it, then pastiching yourself, making work out of that. And so, and then the last two days we had to make a major work and I made an 11 metre long drawing on my studio wall. And so that's one of the gifts that COVID offered up in that. Ordinarily, I'd be too scared to go to New York, to go to the New York Studio School to do the drawing marathon. Everyone's scared of doing that drawing marathon. But suddenly because it's... um was going to be done remotely on the Zoom, suddenly it seemed safe, suddenly it seemed doable because there was that slight remove. Yeah. Why yeah, would you be scared so, to do it though? What, because it feels intimidating? Yeah, going to the big city. And, you know, there's all this mythology around that that um, marathon where people break down and can't finish it and have like these huge existential yeah breakdowns and you know loss of confidence and so I thought oh well if if that happens to me at least I'm going to be in my home environment where I can (laughs) (laughs) have my meltdown in private what so what do you have to when you say a marathon what is it like 12 hours a day or something absolutely so you had to start at eight in the morning finish at six at night and then there was like these group critiques and the the teacher would critique your work and every and we'd be put into these special like pod rooms where the other people doing the marathon would critique your work and but every two hours you had to photograph your work and put it up onto a, a padlet so and then that was shown it was so clever and it, I was dubious I thought this isn't going to work but it was so, it worked so well. And, yeah, I, I gained so much. And I did all my drawings with this piece of dead apple wood that I found in the field. And I just did it all with um, 
swimming and I'd never drawn with a stick before. We had to go out of our comfort zone. And we spent half a day just making marks, as many marks as we could imagine and see in the landscape. And I thought, oh, this is going to take me five minutes. But it seriously did take half a day and more. And you would be amazed at how many marks you can make when you're really looking in the landscape. And then I was able to, you know, it becomes like a body, it becomes like a body memory. So then when I, after all that finished and I resumed my painting process, what happened was I had like a library or a vocabulary of those marks that I had recorded in my body and so I was able to access them. That's amazing. And so that's why these paintings that I've made for my Melbourne show, you can see that there's quite a bit of variation in mark making, which was one of my downfalls. Usually all my marks had a similar sort of value and I, and I could never push past that. So that marathon, that exercise actually changed the way you paint in a way? I believe so, yeah. And it changed my whole approach. So what what I started to do, because I realised when I'm, the beginnings of my paintings are always really emotional, almost like automatic writing when I'm responding to the landscape and they're always really fresh and emotive and really speak of the place. But then I spend a week destroying that that's just who I am because I, I don't have the confidence to leave it as it is or maybe I don't have the wherewithal to to sort of um, negotiate with what's there. So find my way through to the finished painting. So what I've started to do is document my process along the way. So those beginnings I document and then further on down the painting process when I get stuck, I then refer back to the beginning of the painting process and then I can then use that. So I pr actually print it off on my printer and then I look at it, refer to it and I can see it's sort of like the bare bones of the picture, I can bring those back over the top. So, and that's what I learned in the the marathon. So I've, I've found that to be really helpful. That is so interesting. So it's almost like for this whole show, I've actually been borrowing from myself and pastiching myself. It's been a really interesting exercise, analytical exercise in how I actually paint. And it's interesting because it sounds as though if COVID hadn't happened, you wouldn't have gone down this track. No, so this is what I'm saying. There were silver linings, there were upsets and there was sickness and there was, you know, all this political unrest as well, remember, for me, um, being in America. I mean, we had this um, administration that didn't even believe COVID was a thing. We had no clear leadership, no helpful leadership, and we were at sea. Um, and that was very scary to um, 
and then then there was Black Lives Matter and all this sort of racial issue and everyone was marching in the street including Martin and I we just wanted to get out there and have our voice um, and it felt quite frankly Maria like the collapse of civilization mm. and that's really scary when you can't get home yeah it felt like anarchy and and this is why when I was putting my statement together for my show I was questioning the validity or the meaningfulness of landscape painting. I was thinking, you know, is this a futile pursuit, what I'm doing? Like it, with all this trouble in the world and all this grief and there's so much upset and I just thought, is this valid, what I'm doing? How... Is it indulgent? How How is it going to speak to this? But what I realised is it was what I was doing was honouring nature and speaking to my connection and spiritual connection with nature. And um, it was kind of like my show was a memorialising of that year and all that it, I'd gone through. So I came to the idea that yes, it was valid and was meaningful for me. And also you were saying to me that you've held a couple of pieces back, I think, um, and that's important for you to then have direction for your next show. Yes. Well, like how do you choose which works those are mm. going to be? It might be a painting that really speaks to me and it's a painting generally that I don't know how I made um, and so I need to learn from it. So it's crucial that I don't let it go because it will disappear into obscurity and then I can't refer. Um, uh, or it might be a painting that where I made a great leap forward and I want it for the beginnings of a new body of work as the kind of impetus. Yeah. And would it necessarily be a work that you like? Yes. And guess what? I don't like many paintings that I make because I'm so critical, you know that. <laughs> but every now and again, and it's kind of like all the planets line up and something magic happens. And so, yeah, I've become precious about a few paintings, which it feels nice. Hmm. I wanted to just tell you quickly about when I came here and I, it was very cold, snow everywhere, very enchanting, but I thought, how am I going to unpack this landscape? I mean, I was mesmerised by it. And I kept on thinking about the French Impressionists, you know, who made all those snow paintings. And, you know, I made all those little grouches out of the windows of our house, looking onto the garden. Um, but the best way into this landscape is looking at what other artists, how other artists have approached it. So we went down to New York and 
Fortuitously, there was this um, exhibition of Martin Hartley's work, Marsden Hartley, um, at the Met Brewer, and he made a whole lot of paintings up here in Maine and some on this island. Um, and I saw it straight away. I saw a language, a particular language, that a lot of artists have adopted, and it's a solidity, it's a language of solidity and um, positive and very strong positive and negative shapes, not very intricate. It's kind of like um, a very stylized approach to the landscape. Anyway, so then I started looking at Fairfield Porter, Alex Katz, Lois Dodd, um, Milton Avery, Oh my. And they all made paintings about my landscape. And they've, you know, I've, I've poured over these painters' work and I can really see there's a kind of homogenous, in a good way, a, a kind of congruent language, um, coming through. And it's about stylization. And I'm, I'm sort of leaning, just intuitively, I'm starting to lean towards that now yeah and how and how has it been um i mean ordinarily you would be coming to australia for for the opening of your show you know if it was a couple of years ago um how have you found that experience of sort of having a show in australia and being so far away very strange like dislocating beyond um this is this will be the first time i haven't been with my paintings and been at an, at an opening and being able... I realise I speak a lot for my paintings and I shouldn't. So this is the first time I've said to them, OK, off you go and you're going to have to <laughs> speak for yourselves. Oh, <laughs> but, yeah. But the idea that they made their way all the way across the continent and then all the way across the Pacific in this big FedEx crate and I was just laying in bed at night thinking, where are they? You know, they went down to New York, then they went on to Hawaii, and then weirdly enough they went to Japan, and then they came down through Darwin. <laughs> Such well-travelled <laughs> paintings because they are like, it's like part of me is in those Of course, and, of course. Um, and it's an absolutely beautiful show. I've had a look at the catalogue. I hope, I'll, hopefully, I'll get to Melbourne and I'll actually get to see them because I am going to Melbourne soon. But um, you know, thank you so much for your time today, Joanna. It's been such a pleasure seeing your face and um, hearing from you. So good to see you too, and thank you, Maria. It was great catching up with Joanna Logue. I hope you enjoyed our conversation. If you can't get to the show in Melbourne, make sure you check it out online on Scott Livesey Gallery's website. And since the last episode of the podcast, the winners of the Archibald Wynn and Sulman Prizes were announced at the Art Gallery of New South Wales. Congratulations to the winner of the Archibald, Peter Wegner, for his magnificent painting of podcast guest Guy Warren. I've been planning to interview Peter for almost a year now, but the time has never been quite right to get to Melbourne. Um, And after considering doing a Zoom interview, we decided we'd wait until we could meet in person. I just have to see that studio where Peter has painted hundreds of his amazing portraits. 
Congratulations also to Nyapan Yapan Yunapingu who won the win prize and Georgia Spain for winning the Sulman. If you're new to the podcast, the show is on lots of social media platforms. It's on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. If you're enjoying it, it'd be great if you could let your friends know about it and um, maybe rate and review on Apple Podcasts as it helps getting the word out about the show. Thank you to all of you who have written such lovely reviews already. Thanks for listening today and I hope you can join me for the next episode of Talking with Painters. Thing is, it doesn't matter what landscape I'm referring to, because I've I've made three big solo ex- exhibitions now and sent them home to Australia, thinking, is anyone going to get this? Because the landscape is so different, and people get it. They they don't even care where it is <laughs> inspired by, because it's just it's just about the paint, isn't it? <laughs>